Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show. And my distinguished guest today is Alfred Desayas. He is a doctor of philosophy and law and a professor also. Um, he worked at the uh, Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for the Human Rights for something like 20 years. Uh, he is one of the most eminent uh, peer persons uh, in international law, and he's a very independent mind. I think that is what's outstanding. He is uh, the last. He's writing books faster than I can read them. So the last three books are um, "Building a Just World Order" from Clarity Press, 2021, countering mainstream narratives, 2022. And the Human Rights Industry, 2023. Thank you very much for being on my show, Professor Desires. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, good morning, good afternoon, and uh, good evening for all viewers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get uh, right into it. I had a few questions which I, which I wrote in advance, but of course, the decision of the International Court changes everything. So what is your take on that? In Germany, in the newspapers, I listened to the Deutschland uh, Funk today, uh, kind of a, it's really state-run German uh, German um, uh, radio show. There were two established, which were state-run, which is Deutsche Welle, the foreign one, and Deutschland Funk, which was originally support, uh, supposed only to go into the GDR. But now it's uh, all over Germany. It's kind of an in-between. They uh, gave us comments today that the whole world is uh, is relieved that uh, Israel is not guilty of genocide. What is your take? <laughs> well, it's absurd. Uh, <laughs> for the court to issue an order of provisional measures, uh, that entails that the court thinks that there is a real possibility of genocide, obviously, mm -hmm. to make the judgment on the merits, that takes months. They have to evaluate all of the information available. That is still going to take many more hearings before the International Court of Justice. The International Court of Justice uh, issued a very long order based on its own precedence, because it's done so before. There is what we call the precautionary principle, and there is this obligation to prevent genocide, to take all the measures necessary to prevent genocide. And that has been laid down in uh, Bosnia against uh, Serbia, the judgment of 1996. There's another genocide case pending now, Gambia against Myanmar. And everything turns around that necessity to prevent uh, genocide. It's not a question of going out and punishing the genocide that has already occurred. That is the responsibility of the International Criminal Court. And maybe your viewers do not know that since November 2023, there is a case open 
in the International Criminal Court against Benjamin Netanyahu, requesting specifically uh, his indictment and his arrest, also the issuance of an international arrest warrant against Netanyahu because of genocide. Now, the International Criminal Court functions on the basis of the Statute of Rome. And there are a lot of states that are not parties to the Statute of Rome. In any event, six countries referred the matter to the current prosecutor, uh, Karim Khan. He is a Brit, a British barrister. And uh, hitherto, he has shown himself to be very pro-West, meaning uh, when he took his mandate in 2021, the first thing he did was to discontinue the investigation of war crimes and crimes against humanity by NATO forces in Afghanistan and in uh, Iraq, whereas he does continue the investigation of uh, war crimes by the Taliban. I mean, that already gives you an indication of what kind of an individual this is, meaning he is biased. That, of course, detracts from the authority, from the credibility of the International Criminal Court. Personally, I do not expect anything from the ICC. Uh, hitherto, it has been a very, shall we say, one-sided, even racist uh, outfit. Uh, the only trials that have actually taken place, the only indictments have been uh, against Africans and only now against uh, Vladimir Putin. And that also tells you something. It is in the service of Washington. It is in the service of Brussels. It is not in the service of humanity. The International Court of Justice is a different kettle of fish. It is far less politicized. It is politicized. Everything in the United Nations is politicized. And forget it, you're never going to get a completely, shall we say, objective and uh, professional uh, General Assembly or Security Council or uh, uh, Human Rights Council committed to peace and human rights. You're not going to get that. But there are plenty of good people. I know personally three of the uh, judges at the International Court of Justice. And I've known over the years many judges of the International Court of Justice. Uh, and I've had candid discussions with them about the functioning uh, of the International Court of Justice. Obviously, uh, it is not a temple. It is not a uh, uh, you know high table at uh, Oxford uh, University where you discuss uh, high-flying ideas or philosophies, etc. Uh, it is very much a horse trading place. Uh, but the quality uh, of its judgments and the quality of its advisory opinions uh, is very high. Take, for instance, the judgment of 1986 of the court uh, in the case of uh, military and paramilitary activities in Nicaragua case. That was Nicaragua against the United States. The United yeah. States got, well, uh, uh, slapped right across the board for all series of violations of treaties and of uh, basic principles of international law. 
the problem with the International Court of Justice uh, is that notwithstanding how coherent, how cogent, how complete a judgment is, uh, the court has no enforcement possibility. And uh, imagine the court condemns the United States. The United States sits in the Security Council. No way that you can impose sanctions on the United States. So the United States uh, did not implement uh, the judgment of 1986 in the Nicaragua case. Take the advisory opinion of the uh, International Court of Justice, uh, 9 July 2004. That is the opinion on the wall that Israel built on Palestinian land. Now, it's 120 pages about the uh, advisory opinion, very detailed. And it shows how Israel has violated the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, uh, the uh, Convention Against All Forms of Racial Discrimination, the International Convention uh, uh, on the uh, Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Apartheid, uh, the Convention on the Rights of a Child. I mean, it's a school book example of uh, an advisory opinion. I give it to my students. I teach international jurisprudence here in Geneva. And uh, matter of fact, my courses begin now again on the 5th of uh, uh, February. And I will be giving them uh, case 192, that is uh, the South Africa against Israel case. Uh, and uh, I, I get all the... Uh, uh, links not only to the judgments and to the orders, but they also get the links uh, to the uh, concurring and dissenting opinions uh, of the judges. Now, uh, among you know the great lights uh, of the uh, International Court of Justice, I would like to mention my friend, he passed away a few years ago, uh, uh, Peter Koymans. Uh, Peter Koymans from the Netherlands uh, was uh, really one of the top, top uh, international lawyers of the day. And uh, I mean, his uh, um, individual opinions, his uh, concurring and dissenting opinions uh, to judgments of the uh, court are absolutely brilliant. This is the sort of thing you can give to your students to study. I have enormous respect for Koymans. Another one who was uh, a bit of a um, uh, Jacobin, a bit of a <laughs> radical, uh, was uh, my friend, uh, uh, Professor, also passed away, uh, Professor uh, Antonio Cansado Trindade from uh, Brazil. Uh, I, I knew uh, Antonio for at least uh, 40 years and uh, there was someone with whom I could candidly discuss decisions. Obviously, he would not <laughs> uh, divulge things that are really confidential. But I mean, he gave me an impression uh, of how uh, the sausage is put together, you know, and who are the problematic uh, uh, judges and, you know, what are the political influences uh, that are playing uh, a role. Now, going back to uh, the Deutschland Funk and the Deutsche, Deutsche Welle, for that matter, the Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung, die Zeit, the Süddeutsche Zeitung, mm -hmm. die, uh, they're all in it together. Unfortunately, uh, the German press that I knew 
when I was a Fulbright fellow uh, in Germany, when I was at the University of Göttingen, and when I was at the Max Planck Institute for yeah, just to into uh, I have to interrupt you here first um, uh, to say that again, uh, Professor Desires, Harvard degree and Max Planck Institute and Göttingen. This is as how high you can get in academia in Germany and internationally. We have to have a break now. Um, and Perfect. after that, we come back to that because that's an important matter. But first, the ads. <laughs> Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time when the Western Empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan, whilst at the same time the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, and the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account, except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not far right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, and this is again Dirk Pullman back on my show with uh, Professor Alfred Desayas, and I just praised him for his academic career, which is really incredible if you look it up somewhere. Uh, it's hard to believe. Also, the amount of languages. It, uh, if we go what he languages he doesn't speak, it might be shorter than the other way around. But uh, enough with the praise now. I want to quote something to you, what I heard this morning in the radio, which raised my blood pressure. Uh, that was on Deutschlandfunk, as I said, and this is from the press clippings that they give. It is from the Tagesspiegel, um, one of the major, what we call mainstream quality press in Germany. And it says the Tagesspiegel from Berlin explains the definition of the genocide, genocide convention was clear. It's also that Israel's actions in Gaza did not fulfill it. Why did the International Court of Ju it gets better Court of Justice even take the case seriously? Because the global South is rebelling against the international legal system, which is a product of Western enlightenment. The unjustified accusation of genocide has unleashed enormous emotional mobilization. Germany, the USA and the West as a whole must not allow the case to end lightly. They must make it clear to the global south that the abuse of international courts for ideological goals damages the legal system and its binding effect. So this is from the German newspaper Colonial Affairs from the author General Letrophobic. No, sorry, it's from Tagesspiegel. But I think uh, well, what it is... Tagesspiegel. Uh, Tagesspiegel, uh, yeah. I, so I give me a comment on I that. I get good reviews in the Tagesspiegel. 
back in 2011, I published uh, Völkermord als Staatsgeheimnis and Professor yes. Arnold Baring, the late Arnold Baring, yeah. magnificent re review of my book. By the way, my book was also brilliantly reviewed in Genocide Prevention Now mm. of Hebrew University, uh, the uh, Holocaust uh, uh, Institute at Hebrew University under Professor Israel Charney. So uh, at that time, 2011, it was still possible to get a, a decent review in the Tagish Spiegel. I don't expect any of my books uh, to be reviewed in the Tagish Spiegel or in the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung or in die Zeit, because uh, the German press is not what it was. It is all gleichgeschaltet. Like mm -hmm. in the Nazi years, um, there's only an Einheitsmeinung. There's only one... Mm -hmm allowable position that you can take and that is what i explain in my latest book the human rights uh industry i mean the mainstream media uh is such a disgrace and they not only engage in fake news they give you fake news fake history fake law fake diplomacy fake democracy uh it is totally a echo chamber for what Berlin or Paris or London or Washington want. But when they say uh, in this ridiculous article in Deutschland Funk, it's really a disgrace, uh, that the uh, convention does not cover what Israel is doing. Well, let me explain to you I will read to you from the convention, uh, because what is important is that people understand that this is the first really serious genocide case before uh, the uh, court. And the court simply cannot escape its own precedence. If it did so, uh, it would lose all of its credibility. If it were to backpedal on what it already wrote in Bosnia against Serbia, the case of Srebrenica. And Srebrenica was only one massacre, you know, estimated at 8,000 human beings, but there have already been 26,000 uh, killed in, uh, in Gaza, more than 26,000. And, you know, they have devastated the hospitals and the schools and the mosques and uh, uh, the uh, Red Cross and Red Crescent, uh, uh, ambulances. It is a disgrace that this is going on and is more of a disgrace that Germany, Germany should be engaging in apology of genocide, apology of war crimes, apology of uh, crimes against humanity. And that is exactly what is happening. That makes Germany, by the way, and also my other country of nationality, the United States, and France and uh, United Kingdom complicit uh, mm -hmm. in the genocide. So I'm going to, uh, I'm here on humanitarian law chapter. I thought I had mm -hmm. the, uh, the page ready, but the what is the key thing is not only the killing, uh, the creating conditions of life uh, that lead necessarily to death. You, I mean, the reader who is not uh, a lawyer 
he doesn't quite understand when it says that um, uh, genocide means um, actions taken to destroy in whole or in part uh, a, a people. Now, you don't have to completely exterminate the entire Palestinian people, but you have had an ongoing uh, genocide against uh, the Palestinians, uh, not since the 7th of October. I mean, the press tends to be remarkably anachronistic. Uh, the press uh, doesn't remind you that since the Nakba of 1947-48, uh, there has been a continuing genocide against uh, the um, uh, Palestinians. And when I say genocide against Palestinians, I uh, want to say uh, which are the provisions of the um, convention that apply. So, Article 2. Uh, it prohibits uh, the, oh, that I'm still on uh, the Geneva Conventions, because uh, the Geneva Conventions of 1949 prohibit practically everything of uh, what uh, Israel is doing. I mean, there are two major principles uh, of uh international humanitarian law and when i say international humanitarian law that means the hague conventions of 1899 and 1907 and all of the geneva conventions in particular the 1949 geneva conventions and the 1977 uh additional uh protocols um okay um okay Okay, finally, here I have the right page. <laughs> uh, doesn't help you to get <laughs> to side from the wrong page, huh? Uh, so, uh, Article 2 uh, reads In the present convention, genocide means any of the following acts committed with the intent, important word, intent, absist, uh, mm -hmm. to destroy in whole of in part a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group, killing members of the group that killed 26,000. Now, but how about all the other massacres that we had last year and the year before and the year before and the year before? Uh, Chabra and Shatila and all of these uh, uh, major massacres uh, that have occurred uh, of protected persons, even protected persons in refugee camps that have been uh, wiped out. I mean, killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, all of that has occurred. Just think of uh, the psychological trauma of all these mothers who've lost their children and all these children who've lost their mothers. Uh, very important, Article 2, Paragraph C, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. That is what has been a decades-long process of deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. Now, take the blockade. The blockade of Gaza by Israel 
was illegal from day one. The blockade was imposed in 2007. That means there's been 17 years of blockade causing a humanitarian crisis in Gaza that people don't know about because the press, the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung, the Deutschlandfunk, the Deutsche Welle, do not tell the German people what's going on. Uh, for that matter, neither does the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, or CNN. I mean, in order to get informed, you have no choice but to read the alternative press. And here in Switzerland, where I live, um, the Weltwoche, Roger Köppel's uh, Weltwoche brings out things that you don't read anywhere else. There are also uh, three journals uh, where I publish myself, Zeitfragen, which also comes out in French as Horizon et Débat, and in English as Current Concerns. Then there is uh, Highly recommended by me. Schweizer Stadtbund, which publishes mm -hmm. also Point de vue Suisse and uh, Swiss uh, Standpoint, uh, so in three languages. And then you also have uh, Zeitgeschehen in Focus. Uh, and uh, all of them bring information that you desperately need uh, if you want to evaluate what's happening. Now, uh, beyond that, since I speak many languages, I can read, of course, RT and Sputnik in uh, in Russian. And why do I also read it in Russian? Because I was always curious, do they have double standards? That is, do they send propaganda out in English, in the English um, uh, version of RT, which is significantly different from what they do for their local uh, um uh, audience, and it's not the case. Uh, one of the things that I find particularly ugly uh, in uh, the Western press, particularly the German press, is that they actually engage in incitement to hatred. They engage in incitement to violence, and they are co-responsible for the violence that actually does occur. Uh, now, uh, incitement to violence, incitement to genocide, incitement to crimes uh, have been condemned by the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia, by the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda, uh, also in the Sierra Leone uh, Tribunal, so that there's ample jurisprudence that shows that that is a penal act when you are engaging in uh, incitement and also when you're engaging in apology of the crimes and that is what the uh, german press unfortunately does day in day out now article three of the convention says the following acts shall be punishable genocide conspiracy to commit genocide three little c direct and public incitement to commit genocide we have plenty of that in Rwanda. Uh, and then complicity in genocide. Now, who is complicit in genocide? The United States, United Kingdom, France, Germany. Because we have delivered the means to commit the genocide. We have delivered 
the weapons and the equipment and the um, everything that goes with uh, uh, intelligence services, etc., to enable uh, uh, Israel to commit these crimes. And not only now, as I said, please understand this war did not start on the 7th of October. Yeah. I mean, this war is a war that's been going on for decades. This is a war of national liberation on the part of the hapless uh, Palestinians. And unfortunately, in the West, uh, nobody cares about the Palestinians, and especially in the official press and in the, shall we say, amalgamated uh, press, whether it be or Le Monde, Le Figaro, BBC, or The Times. They're all playing the same game. And they don't understand that they are actually complicit uh, in the genocide that is going on. They think, of course, there's a culture of impunity in the West. We know that we're never going to be punished. I mean, our idea of the International Criminal Court is that it is there as a tool to uh, prosecute Africans, Asians, and other untermenschen. But uh, obviously, the International Criminal Court is not there to punish George W. Bush and Tony Blair and uh, um, Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken. Of course not. I mean, the whole concept, uh, which I explained in the human rights industry, is to use these institutions uh, to uh, persecute and prosecute your geopolitical uh, rivals. And that is what has been up to now. And the one thing that the George Langfunk and uh, the Tiger Spiegel got right, uh, yes, the global majority, meaning the Latin Americans, the Asians, the Africans, have rebelled against the neo-colonial, neo-imperial approach. Uh, of the West, United States, Canada, United Kingdom, and uh, the fact that we think we have moral superiority to them. The fact is, and I have worked now nearly 50 years in various capacities uh, for the United Nations, and um, I've been professor of law, I've been professor of human rights law, I have been uh, president of uh, PEN here in Switzerland for seven years as a human rights NGO. I have been uh, uh, president of other NGOs uh, that work actively uh, in human rights. I have seen uh, a great deal. There's no question that uh, there is what I call a human rights industry and that the industry has been very largely hijacked to serve the interests of Washington and Brussels. So going back uh, to Gaza, I find uh, that uh, the International Court of Justice did not go far enough. It is light at the end of the tunnel. It is a step in the right direction, but it should have actually had the courage to say it out clearly, uh, because of the precautionary principle, because of the ongoing massacres, this must stop. There must be an immediate ceasefire. They did put out a catalog 
uh, of things that Israel has to do, which of course Israel is going to flout because the advisory opinion back 2004, 20 years ago, everything that the court told uh, Israel to do was ignored huh? with total impunity because my country, the United States, uh, is want to uh, exercise its power of veto, or rather to abuse the veto, uh, to shield uh, Israel from uh, responsibility, from accountability, uh, from sanctions. The United Nations should have imposed sanctions on Israel decades and decades ago. And when Israel even uh, flouted Security Council Resolution uh, 242, of uh, November uh, 2000, I mean, November uh, 1967, um, they did it uh, with impunity because sure enough, uh, Israel was ordered to withdraw from the occupied territories. But uh, how are you going to force them to do that? The United States could pick up the phone and force them, but of course the United States was not going to do it. At that time, it was Lyndon Johnson who sat in the White House. And uh, my suspicion is that uh, one of the reasons that uh, Richard Nixon was kicked out is that he was not sufficiently subservient uh, to the interests of Israel and that he did express on occasion uh, a good word for the Palestinians. And that is in the United States uh, not a welcome uh, expression or an allowed expression of opinion. Now, um, the uh, next weeks will show to what extent uh, Israel is willing at least to give the impression that it wants uh, to uh, respect uh, some of uh, the uh, indications uh, given by um, the International Court of Justice. Uh, obviously, without a ceasefire, uh, it is impossible to guarantee humanitarian aid. That was one of the points. Humanitarian mm -hmm. aid must come to the uh, Palestinians. How are you going to do it? I mean, with uh, this kind of bombardment that has killed uh, 150 or more United Nations staffers uh, in uh, in Gaza. I mean, my colleagues have been killed. Uh, and... Uh, uh, civilians and medical doctors and nurses and uh, ambulances. Uh, the, the, the massacre has been so uh, comprehensive uh, that uh, no one is about to take the risk uh, to enter uh, with uh, humanitarian assistance. Now, uh, it shocked me actually to, to, to uh, hear from you uh, the level of uh, apologetics uh, of the Tagesspiegel and of the um, uh, uh, Deutschland Funk, you know, for a country uh, like Germany, uh, das Land uh, Dichter und Denker, uh, to, engage, <laughs> to engage in this kind of uh, really uh, cheap uh, propaganda and lying, outright lying, because um, major 
very major international lawyers uh, have uh, supported publicly uh, the South African legal brief and um, in the United States, I can name among others, uh, Professor uh, Richard Falk, who is Jewish himself, Professor Jeffrey Sachs, Sachs. Professor Stephen Kinzer, Professor uh, Dan Kovalik, um, uh, Professor Francis Boyle. Uh, there's so many professors who have come out uh, and said this is genocide. And uh, in uh, France, I mean, when uh, the uh, French uh, uh, minister uh, Stéphane Sejourné uh, was asked about the case in Gaza, he said, and I'm going to quote it in French, Accuser l'état juif de génocide, c'est franchir un seuil moral. It is to uh, cross a red line, to accuse Israel of, uh, uh, of genocide is crossing a moral uh, red line. Imagine that. What kind of language is that from a uh, uh, minister? And then here, uh, I have a, uh, a study put out by some extremely prominent um, uh, French uh, professors uh, of uh, international law. I have here a study. It has uh, in all um, 19 points. And, uh, you know, among the, uh, uh, the professors, you have Pierre-Emmanuel Dupont, of the uh, Institut Catholique uh, de Vendée. Uh, you have François Dubuisson of uh, the University of Brussels. You have uh, Pierre Klein uh, of the University of uh, Brussels. You have uh, Frédéric Maigret of McGill University in uh, Montreal. Uh, you have uh, Stéphane Rials uh, of the University of Paris Pantheon. Uh, it's, it's a whole list of very prominent uh, figures uh, in public international law in France who disavow uh, this mm -hmm. uh, statement of uh, Sejourné and who disavow uh, the uh, position of uh, France to more or less try to uh, defend um, Israel. Well, they did not succeed. And it is shocking how the press tries to give the public the impression that Israel won. <laughs> Israel mm. won because they didn't ask it to, to to have a ceasefire. Sorry. Read the text of the order. I have to have another break. Um, and yeah. uh, thank you very much for that. As a German, I, uh, I'd really like to apologize to the global south. We know from Mr. Ramaphosa, who also is a preeminent peace politician now, he was trying to interfere in Ukraine. He is uh, having a good position there. And uh, after the break with the ads, which we have to have again, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about the Ethiopian idea from the 18th century towards eternal peace from Immanuel Kant, which uh, 
I still think is one of the best things <laughs> that I read about this. And then there's also the question of the rule-based order, one of my favorite topics now. Um, I'm starting to get conservative on these topics because either there is international law or not. Let's talk about that after the ads. <laughs> Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> Do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. See, Smokey thinks I'm funny. This is the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And I continue with my distinguished guest, Alfred Desires, and uh, he mentioned, and I agree with that, that especially Germany um, has a should have a position. Let's say I all through all of my time in the uh, high school and in the university, I heard about uh, the, the Holocaust, which today we have also, uh, the, the day of the Holocaust. And for mm -hmm. me, it was... Okay. Uh, today so um for me it was always um let's say it boils down to something very basic be human be human towards others don't uh, have any any uh, there's no reason to kill children simply no reason there's no reason to bomb civilians there is no reason so this is and for me it came out when i started to study um i'm a big fan of dark hammerschild and the way he handled that and that's when i talked about the idea towards eternal peace was the idea to make it very short that what you have inside a state that there is a monopoly of violence could be transgressed outside if you have the uh, the rule of law and the rule of law means law it means that uh, that if you are weak if you are not in power you can go to a court and try to get justice uh, without that it doesn't has any meaning and in the united nations it was how would Dark Dark Hammerschild handle that? So this is a question I always ask to myself. I'm a big fan of this man who was really a brilliant, maybe the best politician who worked walked on earth, maybe, but at least one of the best and a and a, a honorable person. But we are steering the West is steering away from that. The West is in decline. It is also in moral decline with politicians who claim to be moral politicians, uh, like in Germany, Annalena Baerbock, a disgrace for my country. And um, but I'd like, you know, this idea, which for all of Europe, that someone yes, like okay. that can make it to foreign minister. Oh, there was a president in the person of Joschka Fischer. 
Joschka Fischer was also a very dubious figure. And uh, so Germany has, in fact, been very much in decline, in moral decline, not to say in moral bankruptcy. And uh, you admire Dyke Hammarskjöld. I do, too. By the way, he was a uh, practicing Christian, very much a Christian. And yes. <laughs> uh, I participate here in the organization of the uh, um, services in our church. And I discovered that Dyke Hammarskjöld actually wrote prayers. And uh, I can send them to you later, and then you can share yeah. them with your listeners. Uh, the prayers written by Dyke Hammarskjöld are of such profound spirituality that uh, it's really wonderful that a person of this quality uh, could have been named um, uh, Secretary General uh, of the United Nations, could have occupied that position. Uh, that was our luck, and unfortunately his plane was shot down, and uh, we didn't have the benefit of his wisdom uh, subsequently. Now, you admire Hamar Schultz, so do I, and I admire my former president, um, uh, whom I knew personally, and his late wife, uh, Rosalind, um, Jimmy Carter. Mm -hmm. Now, Jimmy Carter has written the several... The last honest American president. <laughs> he's, he's written several books on Palestine. This is Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. He also has this wonderful book, uh, uh, We Can Have Peace uh, in the Holy Land, and he says how. And uh, he was a man of peace. And, well, he still is. He's 98 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, chapter two of my book, Building a Just World Order, uh, are my 25 principles of international order. Uh, and uh, starts with a quote from Jimmy Carter that was at the Nobel Peace Prize lecture. And he said, war may sometimes be a necessary evil, but no matter how necessary, it is always an evil, never a good. We will not learn to live together in peace by killing each other's children, unquote. Mm. Now, that is a courageous man. And I must say he did uh, probably more for humanity uh, through his Carter Center since um, 1980 uh, through today. I mean, I was, uh, I've spoken several times at the uh, Carter Center. I was his guest, etc. And I must say, I'm honored to have known someone of that moral caliber. Now, back to uh, Gaza very quickly, uh, because uh, the Western press is misinforming the people. This was a major defeat for the policies of Netanyahu. If you read the um, dissenting opinion of the ad hoc Israeli judge Barak, you realize that this is a very major defeat for Israel. Israel would have wanted to have the case thrown out for lack of uh, juris uh, jurisdiction. Uh, that's what you try to do in courts, you know, when uh, when you don't want to touch a hot potato 
uh, you say, I have no competence, I have no jurisdiction, it's not my, this is a political issue, it's not a legal issue, I won't touch it. I mean, if they had done that, of course, they would have lost all credibility. And that's why they didn't do it. Uh, and I would imagine that there was a lot of horse trading uh, among the judges. And that some judges uh, simply said quite clearly, over my dead body, I will not let uh, a uh, uh, an order of ceasefire uh, to come out from the court. And that's probably why it's not there, because all of the other elements that lead to a ceasefire are there. And that is all a defeat uh, for the policies of Netanyahu. Uh, so don't think that this was a victory uh, for uh, uh, for Israel. And don't think for a moment that the end of the day uh, that uh, Israel is going to be acquitted. Israel has committed genocide. All of the elements uh, are proven. And uh, South Africa went out of its way to establish this element of intent of the absist. South Africa quotes from pages uh, 57 to about 70. Benjamin Netanyahu, Yitzhak Herzog, the president, the ministers, the uh, uh, military uh, officials, with statements that are clearly genocidal, that clearly prove the genocidal intent. I mean, it's quite clear what they're trying to do. I mean, they wanted to get a, do this very quickly and just push all the um, Palestinians out of Gaza, uh, the population, so that they could have the land without the people. That is similar to the Vertreibung the Dachshund, the expulsion of the Germans from East Prussia, Pomerania, Silesia, East Brandenburg, etc., by Poland. Uh, you expel 10 million people, uh, you kill a million in the, in the process, uh, and in any event, you take the land and all of its resources without the people. That is what Poland did in 1945. No one talks about that. Uh, but it is a fact, and happily, I'm not the only one who has written about it. You know, my book, Nemesis at Potsdam, and my book, um, uh, The German Expellees by Macmillan, uh, came out in the new edition uh, under a different title called A Terrible Revenge, but that's what it was. It was a terrible revenge for the crimes committed by Hitler, where then you had collective punishment of all Germans just because they were Germans. And that was a genocide too, because the intention was to destroy in whole or in part uh, the uh, German population of all of this area. And a million people uh, died in the process uh, of their expulsion. Now, uh, for the perception of the um, uh, order that was issued yesterday by the International Court of Justice, uh, Riyad al-Maliki, the Palestinian foreign minister, said the judges ruled, and I quote, in favor of humanity and international law. I agree with that. They should have gone further, but what they did was already quite courageous, because uh, I'm sure they were under pressure. When I was United Nations independent expert, 
uh, on international order. I was under pressure. I mean, I got death threats. I was, uh, when I wrote my 25 principles of international order, and when I wrote my report on my uh, official mission uh, to Venezuela, I was the first rapporteur in 21 years to go to Venezuela to evaluate the situation. I got death threats. So um, I'm sure that the judges know where the limits are. And uh, so I am basically rather satisfied with what has been achieved in that order and what message that sends to the world. But of course, the press in Germany is manipulating it. The press in France, in the United Kingdom, in the United States is manipulating and saying, uh, you know, like Israel won. You know, they didn't order Israel to stop the, uh, for heaven's sakes, read the order. Read the language of the order is so clear and and so strongly uh, uh, critical of all of these violations of international humanitarian law uh, by um, uh, by Israel. So say if they were to say at the end of the day, maybe it was not quite genocide, but certainly. <laughs> So a whole series of crimes against humanity. It is, uh, I mean, the question is, do you really have to use the G word? Do you really have to go over the threshold from crimes against humanity to genocide? I find that crimes against humanity are already such a barbarity, such an atrocity. I mean, I think that the, 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 uh, the Israelis would be satisfied if they could avoid the G word, uh, but they won't. I'm convinced that they will not. Now, here you have uh, Benjamin Netanyahu saying that Israel, quote, will continue to defend ourselves and our citizens while adhering to international law, <laughs> adhering to international law. In any event, I mean, this cynicism, I'm used to it. I mean, having worked, you know, with the United Nations and with diplomats and with um, uh, politicians for so many years, I am... Shall we say I have a thick skin? You know, I, I'm used to hearing uh, this uh, sort of uh, of reality. But another point that is used very much in the German press and in the American press: right of self-defense, mm -hmm. Article Fifty One of the UN Charter. Sorry, doesn't apply. Why doesn't it apply? Because Gaza is not a state. Gaza is uh, here. You have had a if you want, a terrorist attack uh, against uh, civilians on the 7th of October. No doubt, criminal activity has to be investigated, has to be punished. You have to find out who was there and who did what. Uh, but that does not allow Israel uh, to respond by bombarding God. 60 seconds to go, just as a reminder. Yep. Yeah, just to say, uh, self-defense is not green light for genocide. Mm -hmm. You have a principle of proportionality. And uh, Israel has gone way beyond the principle of proportionality. And the matter is in the hands of the Security Council. It's only the Security Council that can now rule uh, on the use of force, and the use of force is prohibited in the UN Charter. 
so that uh, what Israel is doing is contrary to Article 24 and it's also contrary to Article 39. Yes. We have to stop now. Sorry, Professor Desayas. I'm happy to get you back anytime. And uh, thank you for being with me. Enormously interesting. Please come back soon. <laughs>